Welcome to Finance with Factor, a place you can come to laugh and learn from local experts about everything related to the world of real estate. Each week we cover a unique topic to help you understand the mortgage industry, navigate the home buying process, and grow your business while maintaining a slice of sanity. Now that he has climbed safely atop his soapbox, here is your host, a senior loan officer with Mortgage Network, Jason Factor. Hello and welcome to another episode of Finance Factor. Uh, today is a little bit different, a little bit of a warning out there for all of you. Um, today I'm joined by a guest that I will introduce in a moment. And what I really want to focus on today is really the dynamics of the market and what's going on in today's market and help safeguard home buyers and realtors, whether you're buyer's agents or listing agents, against the concept of being sold a false bill of goods. Buying with a pre-approval letter in hand, the most common myth of home buying is that I get my pre-approval and now I go out and I start shopping and I found something and I call my lender back, maybe it's a couple of weeks, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a couple of months later. And I say, hey, I found my house. Um, what can I do? What's my next step? That is essentially like buying with a pocket full of fool's gold, in my opinion. And the reason is because there are so many variables that go into that. Um, think of it for all my, my investor bros out there. If you think of it like buying something with crypto, um, the values change. It's liquid. It's it's a non-tangible liquid thing. It's I remember during the Super Bowl, um, there was an article that came out about Odell Beckham, who instead of getting paid in cash, got paid in cryptocurrency. Turns out he worked for free last year <laughs> during the Super Bowl. Now, maybe 10 years from now, uh, he wins. But who knows? Um, <laughs> until then, uh, we're not sure. And that's kind of what buying with a blanket pre-approval or generic pre-approval is like. Now, to get into the weeds on some of this, I want to introduce um, a colleague of mine, Brian Koss. Brian is head of our retail department at Mortgage Network. And Brian is someone that whenever I say I work at Mortgage Network, they say, oh, you work with Brian Koss. And they say it in a good way, which is always a good thing. Um, <laughs> and, before we kind of get into the, the content, Brian, perhaps you would like to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, Brian Koss, uh, EVP of Lending and Marketing over here at, at Mortgage Network. I've been in the business for about 35 years. And so this is, um, I have a lot of memories, uh, a lot of nightmares in the, uh, to remember in the business, and you find a way through them. Uh, this market that we're going through right now has, has some, a lot of similarities to what, 1994, um, but, uh, you know, it's also unique and special in its own way too. So uh, we never had, never had a lack of inventory like we do now too. So, you know, having conversations like you're having Jason, uh, it's, it's very therapeutic, uh, to go through this and, and understand that, uh, even though, the, you know, the history gives us, we never repeat the same because an idea of what's going to happen. Uh, it, it does, you still have to be prepared and learn from it and then take away some action that you're going to do something with now. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, and it's funny because, so we just got back, um, again, I work at Mortgage Network. We just got back from um, our leadership summit, our, you know, the, the awards banquet yeah. for the, the circle of excellence is what we call it here at Mortgage Network. And essentially you have a room full of top originators 
sitting together and dissecting the market and complaining about various things. Yeah. Um, but some of them we can fix and some we can't. Inventory, not one we can fix. Now, how we approach it, maybe we can. Yep. Um, I'd be curious to pick your brain on what some of the key takeaways that you took from that seminar or, or from that meeting. Um, there were certainly a few topics that kept coming up, and it seemed like pre-approvals was one of them. It, there is. There's a lot of, um, well, you have a lot of capacity, right? Because uh, a year ago, uh, six months ago, uh, rates were much, much lower, and uh, we had more than enough business. In inventory was higher than it is now, which, although still historically low. Uh, there are you know, more, more purchase transactions, but a lot more refinances. So people are taking, now you have a lot of underwriters, processors sort of sitting on their hands. So people are putting them to work. Uh, in the short run here, before they lay them off, which they're already starting to do, because they're realizing the market's not coming back quickly. And um, they're putting them to work saying, hey, we'll pre-approve you to this quickly. Uh, people were saying the same thing, which was, we're hearing a lot of people using a lot of different terms, but in the end, all it does is confuse the customer, confuse mm -hmm. the realtor community. And, and it really comes down to parsing out what exactly was done. Uh, what kind of you know, true research was done on, on the consumer and, and, and really easily are guided the correct, in the correct manner, uh, but also so that, uh, you know, are they really a full pre-approval and is it up to date? And that's what we're seeing for the most part is not what we're seeing out there competitively. Yeah, well, let's, let's kind of, um, if you don't mind, on a super high level, explaining it to high school 101, yeah. uh, a couple of terms. Um, what is a pre-qualification? Technically, legally, a pre-qualification is just a quick, educated guess or opinion. So it's something you could almost do for yourself. You just, you, but uh, if you and I were just talking right now and I'd ask you, Jason, how much you make? What do you think your credit score is? How much are you going to put down? I'd run the numbers and say, yeah, you could probably afford about 400 with 20% down. Okay, great. Right. That's it. That's a pre-qualification. It's napkin math. Yep. And then how does that differ from a pre-approval? A, a, a true pre-approval would say, and again, depends on what was actually done or not. People right. use in, in an isolated vacuum. And this <laughs> is the, yeah, what, what a true pre-approval should be is a full validation and verification of all of your uh, credit information, which is your, your income, your assets, your credit history, uh, your reserves of your assets, you know, your down payment and your reserves. Uh, and, and then in looking at your overall credit history and then running that va validation, right? So then making sure that the numbers work so that uh, there's no surprises. Bottom line is a true pre-approval should only be subject to the appraisal on your property if an appraisal is required which most of the time it is. There are some situations where it's not, but you don't and, know. And then updating documents and in preparation for closing and things like that. Yeah, because it's only good for a period of time. So it's only good, usually for documents, only good for 90 days. That means 90 days to close. By the time most people, you know, right now it's taking people nine months or more to find a house. So your documents are going to expire. Uh, and, the rate, and then you're also going to whatever market rates are. And market rates are dramatically different 90 days ago than they are now. Now, how does that differ from some of the buzzwords that we hear, terms like, goal, like uh, pre, 
pre-approval versus say a pre-commitment or pre-underwrite? Um, each, you have to parse <laughs> and ask what has really been done. If some, the bottom line is from a, from the borrower side, if someone says, this is gonna be easy, I'm just gonna get a couple things from you. You don't want someone to make it easy, sadly, meaning if there should be upfront, I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions and I'm gonna thoroughly vet and ask everything about you so there's no surprises. So I'm really making sure there's no way this, this loan can go sideways unless we don't like the property, right? So um, that's, what, that's what you're counting on. If someone goes, I'm just gonna ask you, give me one pay stub, give me one bank statement and you're gonna get a pre-approval. That's not worth it that much. And there's a lot of holes that can happen. And what you wanna do is be able to make an offer that's very strong uh, and have, again, have no surprises. And for, the, for realtors out there, uh, similarly, if someone, you don't, you don't know that difference. You just see the wording at the top of the letter, but you really gotta read in the meat of the letter and look at the bottom if there's any fine print as well. Which is something you do with a number of loan officers and compliance officers and attorneys uh, <laughs> regularly. What are some of the buzzwords that you see on the market that either, um, I won't say concern you, but some of the things that you see that, that make you pause when you're reading various pre-approval letters? Well, anytime someone's, I'm going to make your offer as good as cash, but nothing can go wrong. Um, you know, it, it is, unless you're willing to back it up and buy the person's house for them, um, it is very, very hard to say, but nothing can go wrong. And this offer is as good as cash. It can be a strong offer. It can be uh, thoroughly vetted, but, um, to, to make someone believe nothing can go wrong, uh, it is, is, is a, a falsehood. You really want to be able to talk about all the things that could still sideline this deal. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. And right now in this market, we see a lot of people taking risks that they that they shouldn't be, right? Waving, waving contingencies, waving, you know, inspection contingency in particular, but they're under pressure to get to get that home and they've lost the last, you know, three, four or five, and then they go to this. So I don't I hate to see when lenders also make it just seem like no, no problem. Anytime someone says no problem, there's gonna be a problem. There's always it's how we handle problems. When you have good experts around you, when you have a team that works together, so you want your the, the attorney and the and the, uh, and the loan officer uh, and the loan officer's been at the company and they know the company. They're they're really a well-oiled machine to work together. Just like if you were going to go to surgery, if everyone just met each other that day, would how would you feel if they put you under? Right? Uh, you don't. You want to know that you want a team who works well because things happen. There's too many variables. The people are a variable, the seller's a variable, the property's a variable, insurance. There's so many people involved in the buying of a home. Uh, you, you look to see people who work and play well together uh, and have this down. And you, you've been referred to them because they've done a really good job with many people in the past. That's what you're, that's what you're counting yeah. on, not, not a sales pitch. Well, and so, when they're going through that process, you know, one of the things that, that I know I always recommend, whether they're working with me or with someone else, is it's, again, it's not about buying with the, the pre-approval letter. It's about buying with the loan estimate so that you're, you're working with real numbers. You're working with contingency plans. You're working with, um, you know, today's market rates on a given 
offer or property specific details. Can you speak to a little bit about the difference between just shopping with sort of the gift receipt of the pre-approval letter mm -hmm. versus the actual itemized receipt of a loan estimate? Yeah, there are, especially I, I, you know, here in, in New England, you can travel to a variety of different, you know, you're looking in one area and now you're frustrated you're looking in another area. Good example is you're looking in, in Mass, oh, it's gonna be cheaper in New Hampshire, you go to New Hampshire and all of a sudden your taxes go up $400 a month. Oh, but it's tax-free up there. Oh, not for real estate, it's where they get their money. So you don't pay sales tax, but you do pay, right? You, you do pay that. And, and we've had borrowers all of a sudden realize they can't, what is this? That's three hundred dollars less per month, right? That they or the borrower pay. who's really tight on, say, funds to close. They go to New Hampshire and they have to pay the transfer tax. You see that in Nantucket, yep. certain areas of Rhode Island as well. Yep. Yeah, and then you have, or we have a borrower who didn't really think about it because they're not thinking that they're on the water, but they happen to this new property happens to back up to a creek. That creek is in a flood zone. Flood insurance is through the roof, and it's going up again this year. So, you know, all of a sudden that's a number that wasn't factored in uh, to what it would be. And of course, rates moving the way, the way they have been. Um, so you have to get updates on, on that. And if the closing is going to take a long time, do you want to get stuck, you know, locking into it? Do you want to, um, if it's, you know, how, what, can you, what can you hold and guarantee? And you want to look at the options. You may have said, I don't want it adjustable, but man, when they've moved this quickly and you really do the analysis, you might want to re rethink uh, arms can make a lot of sense in a market like this. Uh, and, and historically, you know, again, you're, we, we have an incentive to track your loan uh, for the life of that loan. Jason's going to be your debt manager for life. And he's going to manage, he'll be calling you going, Hey, you know, it's, did you know that rates dropped and knowing your interest rate, it could make sense to refinance. We have a financial incentive to, to look to lower your rate. And, and historically they do bounce around. And, and, and you would, there will be an opportunity in the coming years for you to do that. So why buy the extra insurance of paying uh, for a 30-year fix when a seven or 10-year window may be all you, all you need, and that saves you hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. Uh, and, 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 and you may make, and something, make more money seven years from now, 10 years from now. So it's all yeah, relative. Well, and, yeah. and something you just said there about like, it comes back around at the very beginning of, of our conversation, you mentioned something about reminding you of the mid-90s. Yep. Um, I know there are a lot of programs in addition to arms that are also cycling back around again, the wheels only been invented once, but we like to pretend yep. we reinvented every few years. Um, can you speak to a little bit about some of the programs that, that are coming out, whether you, you think of them as legitimate or, or marketing in terms of the ideas of say like a lock and shop program mm -hmm. or, um, longer term locks and how, I guess those tend to work in theory. What is the concept and, and what are some of the safeguards or, or concerns that borrowers and buyers and lenders should keep in mind? If, if, you, if you can't afford a higher, let's say you're, you, you bought a home, but the seller doesn't wanna leave for three, four or five months and and but they want to they want you to lock they want to lock in that that sales price with you now most lock-ins are only good for about 60 days when you see interest rates 45 or 60 days um and most closings are 30 to 45 days if it's much longer than that then you're going to pay a higher interest rate or more points or both uh to say they're not going to let you lock in let's say it was a rate of five percent 
with no points, because uh, that's might be where the six unit lock is. They'll say, I'm going to give you, you know, uh, five and a quarter uh, with, with, with no points, or it's for, for 90 days, or maybe I'll give five and a half with a point for, you know, 120 days, but then, and then it can maybe could float down as you get one time, because you get closer to closing. Um, you're paying insurance, right? You're buying insurance. And the way to think about like, all insurance is not a, if it helps you sleep better at night, then do it, right? It, it, but do understand if you can afford in case rates do go up, that you are gonna have a chance to refinance later. Um, so you're locking in a slightly higher than market rate, but you know it won't go any higher than that. That, and that if frankly, if you won't be able to qualify, you're gonna lose the home, then that, then you really do want to look at, at a potential lock-in, a longer-term lock-in, and, and paying that higher price. But it's all relative. Our, our rates can change three times a day, so it's not you know, higher price as of this minute because that's what we're pricing to these days because it's so volatile. Um, so that's just a, a personal choice. But also, again, if you're up near the upper end or you bought at the higher end of your of your limits, then that's when you would want to look at it. But pers personally, I, I would. I like to wait. I. I, I just know rates historically, there's a time I'm going to be able to refinance in the future. Yeah. But why I don't believe in buying more insurance than I need to. So you're saying in your experience, most lenders and banks don't enjoy giving out free money. No. <laughs> no, no, we can't. We know enough to know. It's why a lot of the long-term locks are even hard to get right now because yeah. lenders are saying, how do I even value this money? During It's just like your insurance goes up you know, if you're going to buy during hurricane season, you're going to pay more, right? Because, and that's what we're in now. We're, we're in that hurricane season. There's, it's a premium to buy that extra coverage, that extra insurance. We hedge the, that that bet on, on interest rates for you to give you that security, but it comes at a cost. And that cost goes up and down depending on what the what the belief in the, the, guy, the people who are selling insurance, uh, they, they think where interest rates are going to do. And the collective belief is more chance of them going up than going down in the next six months. Yep. And so like to, to go kind of behind the scenes, again, we're talking about in the context of a pre-approval, when rates move, it, it moves the monthly payment, essentially. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And that can be any variable, right? It can be your credit card usage because we look at various debt and income ratios. Um, it can be um, if you have a home equity line out, right? And that interest rate moves, all of a sudden your mm -hmm. monthly payment that comes due on your home equity line can move on you and that can mm -hmm. impact your buying power. Uh, it can be the actual taxes tend to get reassessed in July. We've had yeah. a pretty good year for home yeah. values. All of a sudden that number can move on you, whether it's the property you're holding or the place you're buying. So there are a number of variables that are well outside of your control as a realtor, as a home buyer, or even as a lender that impact that monthly nut. What are the best ways in your advice when you speak with loan officers um, or realtors, what are the best ways to help coach through all of those different moving targets to bring them into focus? Well, as soon as they're, you know, they're online, they're looking at, at a listing and that comes across, they're scrolling around and they see something pop up. Obviously the first thing you look at is the picture. Then you look at the price, look at the room count, and then they forget. It's like, keep scrolling down until you see, is this in the flood zone? Is, what are the taxes? What are the condo fee? 
right? What those uh, their assessment, whatever it might be, special assessments, uh, any of those ty types of, of things are right there. Just look at the, all of it, and after a while, you train yourself to look for that. Um, as you go to a new town, uh, if it's uh, especially like you mentioned, anything on any of the islands, um, but but there are certain areas that that do uh, have have a transfer tax. And even where in the market where we've seen that the seller has to pay the transfer tax, we're seeing sellers negotiate that out and make the buyers yep. pay. Well, the system or, or, set up, our system set to, to look for the seller part. We don't know that you're going to negotiate. Well, it's actually, so I've actually used that too as a bit of a negotiation tactic um, to help limit some exposure too. So in a market where people are very nervous about appraisals, for example, maybe you're buying a, a second home on Nantucket and you're nervous about an appraised value. Well, one way to limit the exposure risk is to hit at things that don't impact the value, right? So paying seller closing costs as the buyer is one way that you can essentially make good on, let's call it a $500,000 offer, right? You can offer 505 or, mm -hmm. and risk now a $5,000 exposure risk or you could offer 500 and offer to cover 5,000 of their seller's costs. It's technically the same amount of money, if not even more in their pocket mm -hmm. at the end of the day, but you've limited your exposure on the appraisal front. One thing that I did want to bring up that I keep hearing is the idea that I can pre-approve you and waive the inspection or waive the appraisal. Um, I'll guarantee an appraisal waiver. I keep hearing people talk about this. Brian, can you take us behind the scenes a little bit on what's going on there. Cause you can't actually guarantee that you don't need an appraisal. You, you, you can't, it's about the property. It's not just about the person, but uh, Fannie and Freddie who, who have built the waiver systems and their DU and LP automated underwriting systems, they have a database of, of property. And it's a constantly changing database because that data is changing every time, every day, you know, more, someone use that property as a, com a comparable in an appraisal and it goes into their database um, or you know, a neighbor across the street sold the home or whatever it might be. All of that goes in and that will change their opinion, their attitude about, uh, about, about that, whether that valuation that you might've gotten a waiver a month ago may not hold now. Uh, and also their, their attitude in general as they look at particular towns, zip codes, uh, counties and say, you know, we've, we've moved this to a higher risk. So before we would have rounded up, now we're going to round down. And, and that's what you're, you're starting to see. In, in some, and those some can be fickle, changes. right? Like even on a refi, you can't, you can't guarantee it because prior to closing, you're going to have to rerun all those automated systems. And not only do the values and data change, but the data sets and beliefs and regulations and rules within those automated systems are updated constantly. And, and the they'll, each one is a little different of what they say is included and isn't included in the profiling of, of what, what is a candidate to have it waived, how much does the borrower uh, affect that and not just the, just the area. There's, some, there's definitely some debate and, on that. And there are times that you do get an appraisal waiver, even on a purchase, and you run it and you go with that assumption and, and you go through and you get to closing. Uh, and it, it runs perfectly smooth. It can happen. Absolutely. They are not a rule. They are an exception. And so being skeptical of anyone that presents it as the rule, 
I think is always wise for anyone out there who's shopping for a home. Too many moving variables to be able to, to say, oh, I heard that I can. Uh, the system, again, we get updates from Fannie constantly in their underwriting systems. And, and again, there's a, as you read the, a lot of the news that you're seeing, even the you know, realtor.com sends a note out saying, hey, you know, we think you know, values are plateauing or peaking. Um, you know, it, it's very much town by town. You know, in your towns, the properties are still going for over asking. And yet, you know, we also see in other, other, some area two miles on the road, it isn't. So they're starting to, the data is starting to leak into that and it becomes uh, something you cannot count on. So be suspicious of any time someone says, oh, we you know, guarantee it again. Offers good. You can waive with confidence. Waive all of your. You should never have any confidence in waiving all your contingencies. <laughs> I mean, it makes you. It, we, that would make you. It's an arrogance that comes with it. It is yeah. a very nerve-wracking move to do. But if you really, if you've done your homework and you really vetted it out, you knowingly know you know your risks. And it's sometimes it's worth taking it when it's a really mm -hmm. it's a special house to you. But again, remember, it's you're buying a home, not a house. And and, and homes are an emotional thing these are all the various contingencies that can go into impacting whether or not that pre-approval is valid. It's technically, you know, the idea that, and I, the thing that comes up is the idea of, you know, you're now pre-committed with a golden parachute approval guaranteed as good as cash, um, waive everything and you're fine contingency plan versus the, what's your property? Right. So, <laughs> and, 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 and like, seeing, what are you looking at? How much do you think you should offer? And we're seeing some lenders saying, it's so easy. Once we approve you, you can go in and just keep changing your pre approval letter yourself. You know, which to me is like I, signing my own prescriptions at my doctor. It's just, you know, I yeah, spoke with one ad I used. You can sign this. They haven't spoke looked with one at, lender. Yeah. I spoke with one realtor that said, um, that realtor can actually go on to the mortgage company's website and pull the pre-approvals letters for the borrower. It, and, and the asterisk is you as the borrower have given up your rights. If you read the bottom of it, it says, you know, you, you know, if you, then something goes wrong, you can't blame us. And same thing, you've given the realtor your, in essence, your, your power of attorney to sign that, you know, to send the letter. And it says, well, it has a cap on it. But what goes into that cap? We just described some of the fees, some of the uh, taxes and all these kind of that, that you're not looking at. And then you're, you're counting on a pro to ask those questions. They're not hard questions. They're just when you're emotionally tied to this house, you get blinders on and you don't see other things. That, and we're, we're the half empty guys who are telling you, uh, you know, what about this? What about that? <laughs> and you're in love. You're in love with this house. You want to make this offer. It's the biggest purchase of your life. And you're especially if you you know lost the last four homes, you you only see what you want to see, and and that that's what some of us would bring that up, and we ask you questions like, well, tell me about this home. Well, it's the nicest home on the street. Heist, well, well, I'm thinking about how am I going to appraise this? How is this going to work? Is there anything quite like this? How do you arrive at a value? Uh, and you're just saying, all I know is I want this, and we're trying to walk you through it and think of everything. You don't have that when you get to go on or someone else just goes on and just press print and send another letter uh, well, based I think upon it, some I think it does a disservice to you as a buyer as well, or, or as a buyer's agent, or frankly, even as a listing agent. I know in terms of my process, so um, in terms of my process, one thing that I always try to do is do that homework up front, 
right? Go through, let's get the real pre-approval. Mm-hmm. Once we have it, we have the formula. Now we can plug and play all the different variables. Do we pay off that credit card? Do we transfer, you know, X to, to, to Y account, whatever it is, um, how much are we putting down? And that's where, to your point earlier, the teamwork really comes into play. Cause now we're, we're bringing in the attorney, we're bringing in the, the realtor and we're all kind of getting together with the buyers to say, what contingencies do we feel comfortable waiving? Where do we think the appraisal is going to come in? And if it does come in at worst case scenario, what plans do we have in place to adjust on a financing side to still save this and keep this together without killing your pocketbook? Mm-hmm. Once we've done that, you now submit that offer, your lender should be following up, right? And, and if someone else has just pulled a generic letter or put in an offer without acknowledging or letting the loan officer know, you sort of miss that step that can help you be that much more competitive where if I'm the lender or Brian's the lender and he calls Jason Factor as the listing agent and says, hey, I've ran all this stuff. Here's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Here's the financing plan. Yeah, they're putting 5% down. Here's proof of funds. They could put more down. Here's why we're putting 5% down. Um, Here are the plans that we have in place otherwise. Walking through all those conversations can make Brian's offer that much more competitive to me when I'm reviewing them as the listing agent. We, and we do, we love to talk to listing agents and really without you know, coughing up personal information, be able to understand their concerns, their fears and let them know the, the amount of work that was done, how many steps. So again, we uncovered, asked all the hard questions, try to uncover anything that could possibly go wrong. Uh, and to your point, you know, while they're gonna only put in 5% down because looks like, as you know, this, this house has got a lot of deferred maintenance and they need to do some work to it. They could do 20, but they'd rather do this because they want to come out of pocket so they don't have to run up debt and rather finance it through the mortgage, right? Um, and it just says, you know, comfortably they, they can do it. Those are conversations that are going to happen when we know what's going on with the property, when we know it, but if you just did it yourself or printed your own and, you know, we, we don't get to package it and present it like a good attorney would. My biggest pet peeve, especially in a market as competitive as this, is when I get a call and I get blindsided on a Sunday night and I get a call from a listing agent. Hey, your client has put in an offer. I see a pre-approval letter from you and it's dated, heck, even in this market two days ago. (laughs) And and I want to call and follow up. And you're like, I don't know when it's closing. I don't know what they offered. Is it a condo? Is it a single family? And you have to sort of BS your way through that. I'd much rather be proactive and jump on the call and be like, hey, I know you're selling an unwarrantable condo. Here's why it's unwarrantable. And here are all the things that we can do to make that get through approval. It's okay that we're doing 10% down. We've already run this through and here's why it's approved. Yeah, that's a really good example and and point. So it's it's a team effort. And um, as much as people want to make it easy, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of, it, it can be easy. A lot of times we make it look easy. And, you know, I look at every one of our surveys that comes through. And you know, frequently I hear is, hey, listen, it, I expect this process to be a challenge. Or you guys took a challenging process and made it as easy as you could. But anyone who just says, oh no, this is not. This should be like, like you know, just like a, opening a credit card or doing a car loan on a on a on a weekend. You want to get in your car and drive away? Uh, it's not, and it should. And frankly, should it be? I mean, this is. This it used to be. Big step. made it too easy right so um and that that's what it got to that that kind of conversation and now we realize it's there should be a lot of pause a lot of thought we can get it done very quickly 
but if you com if you compress it too quickly, mistakes are made. Um, and and, it's, and the it's people and the people that are making it that easy, and I use that in a skeptical air quote. Um, mm -hmm. Those are the ones that are going to run into trouble eventually, right? And and like to me, a pre-approval letter is only as good as the process that it went through. And for us. And this is just us. I'm speaking not Mortgage Network, not Brian right. Koss, not Jason Factor. This is just lenders in general that work on, say, referrals, for example. Lenders are only as good as their last pre-approval letter. So if, if I personally put one out, the most terrifying thing I can do is push send on a pre-approval letter. I want to make sure that it's good because otherwise I have a, live in a constant fear that that realtor will never call me again. Um. And so, you know, to me, like buying with just a generic pre-approval letter, like I said, it's really not much more valid than a pocket full of fool's gold if you don't know how we came up with that evaluation. There's always assumptions made uh, and you got to check what the assumptions are uh, and understand if they still apply in that situation. And the assumptions were points, points in time, assumptions about property, um, and also anything really changed in your life too. Did anything change or... I don't know, you know, were you counting on that account that's full of, you know, ARC fund stocks right now? And now it's 100% less. I had, a, less. I had know, a client, when, I had a client yeah. yesterday be like, I have $20,000 in my, you know, Robinhood account. Um, you know, but it shows negative now. But does that, is that a problem? <laughs> it's like, it probably is <laughs> for using it. Yeah. You can't really cash it in today, can you? No. Uh, no. And so like, those are the types of things that, that, as a realtor out there, whether, again, if you're a listing agent, call the loan officer, ask these questions. If they can't answer them, move on to the next offer, yeah. please, and make yep. it mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, just look for Jason's customers and just make, give them the house. <laughs> you know you'll close. Well, do you have, in, in all seriousness, do you have a takeaway in particular when it comes to parsing a pre-approval and proofreading through it? Um, are there things in particular that that you would take away from the conversation? I mean, you look to see the words, obviously, that it has been reviewed uh, you know, by an underwriter and has been approved by an underwriting system that there's some third party. It's not me, Jason, saying I'm lending my own money because Jason can't lend his own money, right? So it has to, you went for a letter that's going to state that. Also state that it has been clear that, that income and assets and credit have all been thoroughly reviewed uh, and, and then what the conditions would be of, of that loan. So look at the meat of it. Don't just look at the heading. Don't look at the, that, right? Go into it and try and understand that. And, if, and as a realtor and as a barber is to confirm what could go wrong. Confirm back and, like what, what, did, what, did, what are you missing here that, that could end up be a problem later. And on some you'll see actually, you know, pre-committed with a blah, 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 contingent upon, and you'll see interest rate, property, taxes, all those other things, which basically means your question becomes, well, did you run it with all of these things? Like, what, what was right. it? Did you run it with today's rates? Did you rerun it yep. this, to this morning versus this afternoon? Did you rerun it with these taxes, with these condo fees, whatever it might be? Um, if all of this seems terrifying and overwhelming, and you are an agent out there, um, please reach out. I do a presentation called Proofreading Pre-Approvals. I'd love to set up a Zoom. I'd love to set up a time to one-on-one, -on -one, 
go through what all of this means. Um, again, this is not, this podcast is not designed to be an advertisement for Jason Factor or for Brian Koss or Mortgage Network or any given lender guest that comes on here. It's about taking you behind the scenes of what goes into real estate and ways that you guys can, if you're listening, improve your business, um, make your clients more happy, or if you're a buyer out there, purchase a home with a little bit more confidence and knowledge that you're going down the right path. Well, thank you very much for making the time. I know you're insanely busy with an awful lot of people to <laughs> check in on and not just me, but I, I deeply appreciate you making time to swing by and keeping my clients informed um, and anyone who's listening to this. Um, thank you again, Brian, for, for making time for the podcast. Always my pleasure, Jason. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. See ya. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance with Factor. Please remember to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Then if you really like us, unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Of course, that can be our secret, but it helps our ratings. Have an idea for an upcoming topic you want us to cover? Post a comment. For the full video version of this episode or any of our previous episodes, please find, like, and follow Jason on YouTube or Facebook at Jason Factor Mortgage Network and on Instagram at Finance with Factor. All content on Finance with Factor is self-published by Jason Factor, Senior Loan Officer, NMLS number 1401985. All rates, guidelines, and advice discussed on this episode is subject to change. For a full list of disclosures, visit the License and Disclosure page at jasonfactor.com.